Kay Cavus by Fedosi. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Kay Cavus. When Kay Cavus ascended the throne of his father, the whole world was obedient to his will, but he soon began to deviate from the wise customs and rules which had been recommended as essential to his prosperity and happiness. He feasted and drank wine continually with his warriors and chiefs, so that in the midst of his luxurious enjoyments he looked upon himself as superior to every being upon the face of the earth, and thus astonished the people, high and low, by his extravagance and pride. One day a demon disguised as a musician, waited upon the monarch, and playing sweetly on his harp, sung a song in praise of Mazandaran, and thus he warbled to the king. Mazandaran is the bower of spring, my native home. The balmy air diffuses health and fragrance there. So tempered is the genial glow, nor heat nor cold we ever know. Tulips and hyacinths abound on every lawn, and all around blooms like a garden in its prime, fostered by that delicious clime. The bulbul sits on every spray, and pours his soft, melodious lay. Each rural spot its sweets discloses, each streamlet is the dew of roses, and damsels, idols of the heart, sustain a more bewitching part and mark me that untravelled man who never saw marzenderan and all the charms its bowers possess has never tasted happiness no sooner had keikavus heard this description of the country of marzenderan than he determined to lead an army thither declaring to his warriors that the splendour and glory of his reign should exceed that of either jamshid Zahak or Kegobad. The warriors, however, were alarmed at this precipitate resolution, thinking it certain destruction to make war against the demons, but they had not courage or confidence enough to disclose their real sentiments. They only ventured to suggest that if his majesty reflected a little on the subject, he might not ultimately consider the enterprise so advisable as he had at first imagined, but this produced no impression, and then they deemed it expedient to dispatch a messenger to Zal to inform him of the wild notions which the evil one had put into the head of Kavus to effect his ruin, imploring Zal to allow of no delay, otherwise the eminent services so lately performed by him and Rostam for the state would be rendered utterly useless and vain. Upon this summons, Zal immediately set off from Sistan to Iran, and having arrived at the royal court, and been received with customary respect and consideration, he endeavoured to dissuade the king from the contemplated expedition into Mazandaran. Oh, could I wash the darkness from thy mind, and show thee all the perils that surround this undertaking! Jamshid, high in power, whose diadem was brilliant as the sun, who ruled the demons, 
never in his pride dreamt of the conquest of Mazandaran. Remember Feridun, he overthrew Zahak, destroyed the tyrant, but he never thought of the conquest of Mazandaran. This strange ambition never fired the souls of bygone monarchs. Mighty Manucher, always victorious, boundless in his wealth, nor Zao, nor Noza, nor even Kegobad, with all their pomp and all their grandeur, ever dreamt of the conquest of Mazandaran. It is the place of demon sorceress, and all enchanted. Swords are useless there, nor bribery nor wisdom can obtain possession of that charm-infested land. Then throw not men and treasure to the winds. Waste not the precious blood of warriors brave in trying to subdue Mazandaran. Kay Kavus, however, was not one to be diverted from his purpose, and with respect to what his predecessors had not done, he considered himself superior in might and influence to either Feridun, Jamshid, Manusher, or Kay Gobad, who had never aspired to the conquest of Mazandaran. He further observed that he had a bolder heart, a larger army, and a fuller treasury than any of them, and the whole world was under his sway. And what are all these demon charms, that they excite such dread alarms? What is a demon host to me, their magic spells and sorcery? One effort, and the field is won. Then why should I the battle shun? Be thou and Rostam, whilst afar I wage the soul-appalling war, the guardians of the kingdom, heaven to me hath its protection given, and, when I reach the demon's fort, their severed heads shall be my sport. When Zal became convinced of the unalterable resolution of Kay Kavus, he ceased to oppose his views, and expressed his readiness to comply with whatever commands he might receive for the safety of the state. May all thy actions prosper. Mayst thou never have cause to recollect my warning voice with sorrow or repentance. Heaven protect thee. Zal then took leave of the king and his warrior friends, and returned to Sistan, not without melancholy forebodings respecting the issue of the war against Marzandaran. As soon as morning dawned, the army was put in motion. The charge of the empire and the keys of the treasury and jewel chamber were left in the hands of Milad, with injunctions, however, not to draw a sword against any enemy that might spring up without the consent and assistance of Zal and Rustam. When the army had arrived within the limits of Marzandaran, Kavus ordered Give to select two thousand of the bravest men, the boldest wielders of the battle-axe, and proceed rapidly towards the city. In his progress, according to the king's instructions, he burnt and destroyed everything of value, mercilessly slaying man, woman, and child. For the king said, Kill all before thee, whether young or old, and turn their day to night. Thus free the world from the magician's art. Proceeding in his career of desolation and ruin, Give came near to the city, and found it arrayed in all the splendour of heaven. Every street was crowded with beautiful women, richly adorned, and young damsels with faces as bright as the moon. The treasure chamber, 
was full of gold and jewels, and the country abounded with cattle. Information of this discovery was immediately sent to Kavus, who was delighted to find that Mazandaran was truly a blessed region, the very garden of beauty, where the cheeks of the women seemed to be tinted with the hue of the pomegranate flower by the gatekeeper of paradise. This invasion filled the heart of the king of Mazandaran with grief and alarm, and his first care was to call the gigantic white demon to his aid. Meanwhile, Ke Kavus, full of the wildest anticipations of victory, was encamped on the plain near the city in splendid state, and preparing to commence the final overthrow of the enemy on the following day. In the night, however, a cloud came, and deep darkness like pitch overspread the earth, and tremendous hailstones poured down upon the Persian host, throwing them into the greatest confusion. Thousands were destroyed, others fled, and were scattered abroad in the gloom. The morning dawned, but it brought no light to the eyes of Kay Kavus, and amidst the horrors he experienced, his treasury was captured, and the soldiers of his army either killed or made prisoners of war. Then did he bitterly lament that he had not followed the wise counsel of Zal. Seven days he was involved in this dreadful affliction, and on the eighth day he heard the roar of the white demon, saying, O king, thou art the willow tree, all barren, with neither fruit nor flower. What could induce the dream of conquering Mazandaran? Hadst thou no friend to warn thee of thy folly? Hadst thou not heard of the white demon's power, of him who from the gorgeous vault of heaven can charm the stars? From this mad enterprise others have wisely shrunk. And what hast thou accomplished by a more ambitious course? Thy soldiers have slain many. Dire destruction and spoil have been their purpose. Thy wild will has promptly been obeyed. But thou art now without an army. Not one man remains to lift a sword or stand in thy defence. No one to hear thy groans and thy despair. There were selected from the army twelve thousand of the demon warriors to take charge of and hold in custody the Iranian captives, all the chiefs as well as the soldiers, being secured with bonds, and only allowed food enough to keep them alive. Arjang, one of the demon leaders, having got possession of the wealth, the crown, and the jewels belonging to Kavus, was appointed to escort the captive king and his troops, all of whom were deprived of sight, to the city of Mazandaran, where they were delivered into the hands of the monarch of that country. The white demon, after thus putting an end to hostilities, returned to his own abode. Kavus, strictly guarded as he was, found an opportunity of sending an account of his blind and helpless condition to Zal, in which he lamented that he had not followed his advice, and urgently requested him, if he was not himself in confinement, to come to his assistance and release him from captivity. When Zal heard the melancholy story, he gnawed the very skin of his body with vexation, and turning to Rostam, conferred with him in private. The sword must be unsheathed, since Kavus is bound a captive in the dragon's den, and Raksh must be saddled for the field, and thou must bear the weight of this emprise, 
for I have lived two centuries, and old age unfits me for the heavy toils of war. Shouldst thou release the king, thy name will be exalted over the earth. Then don thy mail, and gain immortal honour. Rostam replied that it was a long journey to Mazandaran, and that the king had been six months on the road. Upon this, Zal observed that there were two roads. The most tedious one was that which Kay Kavus had taken, but by the other, which was full of dangers and difficulty, and lions and demons and sorcery, he might reach Mazandaran in seven days, if he reached it at all. On hearing these words, Rostam assented, and chose the short road, observing, Although it is not wise, they say, with willing feet to track the way to hell, though only men who have lost all love of life, by misery crust, would rush into the tiger's lair, and die, poor reckless victims there. I gird my loins, whatever may be, and trust in God for victory. On the following day, resigning himself to the protection of heaven, he put on his war attire, and with his favourite horse, Raksh, properly caprisoned, stood prepared for the journey. His mother, Rudabe, took leave of him with great sorrow, and the young hero departed from Sistan, consoling himself and his friends thus. Over him who seeks the battlefield, nobly his prisoned king to free, heaven will extend its saving shield, and crown his arms with victory. End of K. Cavus by Fedosi.